Welcome back to the Shreds Takes Podcast Show, wherever you guys are listening, either the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever you guys are listening to. I want just to have you guys on the show. I'm excited to have you guys on today's show. It's going to be a really, really interesting show, really fun show to go through. So I'm going to break down a few things for everyone to go, to look at as we unwind to the Super Bowl as we decipher basically the NBA, how it's been going, kind of a little bit just about different statements that have been going on, different teams that have been playing at exceptional levels. So let's just break it down all with that, right? So now I want to go right into the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, right? They just got a big win against Denver last night. Was I surprised? No, I was not surprised one bit because I know what the Lakers are capable of. I know that they can beat teams with the number one defense in the NBA. I also know LeBron James can go 12 and 19 from the floor and get you a 27 point triple double. What concerns me about the Lakers though, is Anthony Davis's lack of aggression this year. I don't know what's going on with him this year. I know he had two games of the first, the previous two games before us, he had 27 in both games. But again, when you have a guy like Jokic on you, who's slow and you also have got maybe a guy like Millsap on you or you know, maybe a guy like Bull Bull or those kind of guys, you got to be able to take advantage of that, right? You have to take advantage of that because Anthony Davis is a top tier talent and player. He proved it last year, but he's not consistent enough, which again does bring the question if he's the number one option. He can't be your number one option at the moment because LeBron James right now, and everyone's going to say, oh, he's taking too many shots. LeBron James is taking a lot of shots because Anthony Davis isn't being aggressive. That's the problem right there. And look, despite that, they blew out the Nuggets last night, which proves to me that the Nuggets aren't a title contender because we can just break down the statistics, right? Basically, if you look at it, right, the Lakers outscored the Nuggets by 33 points in the second half, right? And then you look at that also, right? I think the Nuggets had 60 points around there at halftime and they ended the game with 93 points. Why did that happen? Because the Lakers took a honus on defense. Look at Jokic, for example. Jokic had a great first quarter, ended the game 6-16 for only 13 points. Now, Jokic has been an exceptionally great player this year, right? He's been the MVP conversation. And why has that been? Because he's been getting his teammates involved. He's been having big games against teams like Utah, like San Antonio, like Dallas. Um, even the Clippers when they lost him, right? He's been playing really well. The Lakers did a great job defensively on him last night. And again, this is where Marcus Saul can actually be useful for you because Marcus, Marcus Saul is a big body that you can throw at Jokic. But this is also where Montrez Harrell can be very effective because Montrez Harrell is much more mobile than Jokic. Even though Jokic is very nimble on his feet and ha, you know, can, has the ability, has a lot of skill, Harrell can beat him up and down the court. And if you make it a, a fast-paced game, Jokic is not as quick to stay with a guy like Harrell up and down the court. And that was evident last night, right? And also, Jokic is just bad at pick-and-roll defense. He drops coverage too much, right? So when you drop coverage, he's a big guy, you know, presses back into the paint. And so as a result of that, LeBron James gets a full head steam against the uh, bigs. I don't know. I don't get why teams think that's a good strategy because if you're going to allow the, the, these best guards in the NBA to just go full steam at the big guy, that's a losing battle most of the time. Now, we also can look at guys like, Jamal Murray not showing up really that greatly. 7-17 for 20 points. Okay, you know. But you look at, like, I'm looking at their plus minuses right now, right, on my sheet right here. And they're all in the negative, the plus minus. 
They also shoot 39% from the floor last night. They shot 28.6% from three. And then let's look at the Lakers, right? The Lake, and they also had 15 turnovers and only eight assists. So they were minus seven in the assisted turnover ratio last night. Let's look at the Lakers on the contrary. Lakers had 29 assists. They had 15 turnovers. So they are plus 14 in that. They shot 56.8% from the floor, 33.3% from three. And now they weren't as good for the free throw line, but they also dominated the rebounding battle. Well, actually, no, they didn't. I'm sorry, my bad. The, the Nuggets for the, the, you know, the Lakers actually, the one thing I was thinking, I thought they were going to dominate the rebounding battle last night, but based on the statistics, they're not. And that's one thing the Lakers do have an issue with too, is against bigger teams, they do struggle on the glass. And if you look at just their statistics overall, right, the Lakers beat them up basically by just pushing the ball, being aggressive. And again, LeBron James is playing at an exceptionally high level this year, right? 10 assists and two turnovers last night, really good, right? And also just the fact that he's, his fadeaway is working well. He's, you know, doing this at age 36 is pretty exceptional for me. And that's kind of where I leave it there. Now let's talk about the Golden State-Dallas Mavericks game. Now I've, I've written about the Dallas Mavericks, why they've been so poor. So again, check my website for that. But I'll just give you a little bit of synopsis of why Dallas is not doing very well this year. Well, it goes down to offensive efficiency, right? I think everyone heard from many sports media places last year how good the Dallas Mavericks efficiency was last year, right? They were the best offensive efficiency team of all time. Now, the Nets will probably break that this year, but they were the best offensive team of all time in terms of efficiency last year because they had a bunch of three-point shooters. Luka was getting into the pain and doing what he does. And they were able just to spread teams out and there's nothing you really, you could do. They could score points and with no problem. They weren't good defensively either last year. They got away with it because they had a great offense, right? And you had Porzingis healthy for most of the year. Now you look at it this year, you're getting Porzingis back. And the problem is, look, they still don't play great defense. And the problem is they're worse in offensive efficiency. They're 20th in the NBA. That might, that might change now, but they were 20th going into this game in, in offensive efficiency. Now, let's look at also the fact that they get crushed in the glass, right? They're one of the worst teams. I think they're the worst team in the NBA in total rebounds allowed per game, which means they get beat up on the, on the boards. Defensively last night, right? You allow a guy like Kelly Oubre to score 40 points. Kelly Oubre is a good player. Don't get me wrong. But again, if your defensive assignment should be not, don't let that guy get 40 and Steph Curry gets 28 and then, um, you know, Damian Lee gets 17 points. I mean, again, they shot 57% from the floor, the Golden State Warriors did. They shot 51% from three. And Dallas had a 76 to 74 lead, 76 to 74 lead at halftime. They ended up scoring 40 points in the second half, right? And Golden State, on the other hand, scored um, 73 points in the second half. So what happened there? Like, why did that happen? Well, it was simple. Dallas couldn't make shots and they can't defend, right? This is why I, this is the knock on Luka. Luka is a great player. Like no one is debating that. But the issue with him is he can't play defense. And he, and again, he, he, even though he's trying, he's playing better this year, but he's not a great defender. And they also, the problem with their team too, right, is their threes aren't, their fall, aren't falling. They don't really have any other like guy they can go to to get a good three-point shot because Luka's very inconsistent for three-point range. He's shooting a low 30s or whatever from three-point range. So is Porzingis. And then they take the majority of the threes. Tim Hardaway Jr. is also very erratic. You don't know what you're going to get from him from time to time. Losing Seth Curry and Deron Wright were actually bigger losses than people think because Seth Curry is now playing great with the 76ers and Josh Richardson is playing horrible with the Dallas Mavericks, 
right? He's had a few good games, but mostly he's playing pretty horrible due to his standards compared to what he was in Miami before he went to Philly, right? So I'm looking at all that, right? You know, Golden State has 45 rebounds last night. Dallas is 42 when they have the bigger lineup, right? And look, I look at Luka, for example. Luka had 27 points at halftime, and he ends the game with 27. He didn't score in the second half. And if you look at Porzingis, yeah, he had a nice 15-point third quarter. But again, Porzingis, you have five rebounds. You're seven foot three. How do you have five rebounds? So I'm looking at all of that. And, you know, again, a lot of turnovers and, you know, that kind of stuff. Look, it's just, it's, again, with Luke, he had five turnovers last night. And eight of 20, you know, he shot three to seven from three. But again, like I told you guys, he's inconsistent from three. And if Dallas is going to break the street, they got to get better from the three-point line, which maybe has to be trades at the deadline or developing Luka into a more consistent three-point shooter because he's taking a lot of contested threes. So that might be having, you know, Rick Carlisle is going to have to probably run easier stuff for him to get easier shots. Porzingis gets a lot of easy shots. Porzingis actually played pretty well last night besides rebounding. But again, a guy like Draymond Green, who has not been hitting double digits much this year, scores 11 points against you. Then you have Andrew Wiggins gives you 18. Then you've got... So Sano Anderson, 14 points. Then you've got Steph, Seth, Steph Curry, I'm sorry, at 28 points. Then you got Ubre at 40. I mean, that, like that whole starting lineup just torches you. Everyone was plus 18 or above. That's because, why? Because they, they, they share the ball. They have good three-point shooting right last night. That's what was working for them last night. And the hot shooting in Dallas weaned off in the second half, right? Tim Hardaway Jr. at one point in the game was five of seven from the floor entering the third quarter. He ended the game six of 14 from the floor. Now that, that's who he is. He's an inconsistent player. And that's the problem with them. Josh Richardson, right on cue, two of nine. So again, I, I don't have to say much more about the Dallas Mavericks. They aren't good because they don't play defense and their offense isn't as good as it was last year. Cause they don't have the three point shooting and they aren't, you know, and Porzingis needs to be more consistent. That's their problem. And that's why I think right now they aren't looking like a playoff team. Now, hopefully they figure it out. Cause I think they have the talent to do it, but Right now, they're not a playoff team. Right now, they're 14th in the West. So they have a big uphill climb, and they got to figure it out quick. But on the contrary, I want to talk about a team that has been doing really, really well in the NBA. And I will get to you on the next segment where I'm going to talk about the Utah Jazz, who have been doing really well. And also, I'm going to break down a little bit about the all-star controversy that's been going on, as well as my Super Bowl prediction. So tune that in in the next segment. Thank you. So when I think of good teams, I think of teams that have good three-point shooting. And this is the NBA I'm talking about, right? Good defense and a coach that can put all this, the pieces together to win a championship. Now, I know it's early, and I know Utah has a lot to prove in this next month on a very difficult schedule. But right now, they are the best team in the NBA, record-wise. And that's simply because they're number two in three-point rate, how many threes they get up per game. They're number eight in three-point efficiency. And they also have one of the best defenses in the NBA, led by Rudy Gobert. Jordan Clarkson's having a career year. Bogdanovich is playing really well the last couple of weeks. He's averaging around 17 a game. Then you also got guys like Mike Conley, experienced veteran. Donovan Mitchell, who's playing at an unbelievable rate this year. Again, proving that he's a superstar player. He's taking the next jump for sure. And then you look at guys just, you know, that they other have Derek Favors and um, Royce O'Neal and uh, Joe Ingles, right? And then you're coached by Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder is an excellent coach. Utah has been successful since he's been there because he knows how to integrate the pieces correctly. He knows how to work on player development. 
And he also knows how to, to get the best out of the defensive end of the court. And I think that's where he prides himself deeply as a coach. And that's why he's been so successful. But their problem is now is they have a very daunting schedule. And looking at my notes at the moment, you, you, you know, they have games against the Lakers where the Lakers come to Utah. They have to go to LA to play the Clippers and Lakers again. They have to play the Sixers. Um, they have to play the Bucks. They have to play the Pacers and actually the very pesky Charlotte Hornets. They play the Charlotte Hornets, I believe, on Friday. So today. And then they also play the Indiana Pacers on Sunday. So what, what does this mean, right? So like, why, are the, why is the Indiana game, I think, a trap game for this team? Well, Indiana hasn't, has been up and down this year, right? And um, I think that's primarily because um, they don't really have a third-level score. Um, I think the problem with Indiana personally is the fact that they would rely too much on Sabonis and Brogdon to do their scoring. Um, but the problem with what I see basically is that you're still going to Indiana, right? And you're still going to Charlotte. These games are not going to be easy games. Now, do I think they can be successful in these games? Sure. But this is going to be a testament to how good Utah actually is. Are they going to be the team that we really believe that they are, which is, again, a team that can contend but not quite there? Or are they actually a legitimate contender? Are they a team that's saying, wow, this team has proven everyone wrong. This team is right now a team that can definitely challenge the Lakers for sure. Them and the Clippers, right? I'm still not believing the Clippers. But, you know, everyone is a believer in the Clippers because the Clippers have suddenly played well this year. But that's just how it is. And that's kind of where I think with that. With Utah, though, I think that Utah has a, has a great opportunity in this really difficult month for them basketball-wise with the schedule and that kind of stuff to figure out who they are and to really showcase to people we are a legitimate team. And I hope they do because it would be nice to see Utah be a contender in the West again. And I think that they have a really good shot at doing it because of it, like I said, the continuity, the defense, and the coaching and the three-point shooting. They're good at all those facets. So I think they have a really good shot to do good things. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Every segment I have to bring up the Brooklyn Nets because they're everyone's favorite team at the moment. They're everyone's favorite um, show to watch on TV. Now, did the Clippers game that they, they won prove anything to me about, about the um, Nets? Not really, to be honest. Um, people are going to look and say great defense by the uh, Nets. And they, and they did. They had stretches where they did play good defense. I'm going to give that to them. But they are who I thought they were when this happened, right? They're going to be a, you know, a good offensive team who's going to struggle in a defensive end. That's still the case even with, you know, a good performance against the Clippers. They still had 120 points, right? Kawhi and Paul George both shot pretty good percentages and both put up, you know, Kawhi put up 33 points. Paul George put up 26. You have Batum who put up like 20, right? That, that's not great, right? And Kyrie, KD, and Harden, right? And look, they're going to get criticized because their defense is not very good. Tonight against the Toronto Raptors, they have to prove that they actually can play defense. So I will see if that actually happens. Now, my Super Bowl prediction. Now, this is going to be interesting. And my Super Bowl prediction is going to be the Chiefs. And I think it's going to be a very close game. I think it's hard. I bet against Tom Brady every round since the Saints. And I've been proven wrong. And you would think, oh, you're going to go with Brady this time. No, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Because I think the Chiefs are slightly more talented. And I, I'm, this is also under the assumption that their O-line is going to be perfectly healthy and ready to go. So if, the, if everything is in, the chips are in line, then I think the Chiefs are going to win because Mahomes, I think, is slightly better than Brady, right? I do. And I think they have better weapons in terms of more experienced weapons in this big moments. Now, I also think that the Chiefs have, um, you know, the ability to score points very easily. 
Um, I think Tampa Bay can score points, but they score points a lot off their defense. And I don't think Kansas City is going to make as many mistakes. That's my Super Bowl prediction. And that's where I leave it there. Last thing I'm going to talk about is just the um, whole all-star controversy thing. Now, LeBron James says that he doesn't really want to do it um, because of the COVID protocols down in Georgia, as well as just trying to get rest. I, 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 I'm kind of with it too. I, I think it's the, the, the all-star game. Um, I think, you know, if they decide to do it, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If they decide not to do it, uh, I wouldn't have a problem with it either because again, there is stuff that's being donated to uh, HBC, HBCUs, uh, which I think is a great cause. And um, the NBA is just getting showing a great initiative. But I also think that, you know, again, like some of these players who are older probably need that time to kind of just refuel and regenerate for, you know, the next kind of up and coming part of the season. Now, also the All-Star game is, is a lot about making money as well. So people might be a little bit upset about that. But from my standpoint, these comments, um, I, I, don't, I don't think you should be calling it stupid that have it because again, you are going to be donating, they're going to be donating money to HBCUs to help fund them more. Um, and I think that's a great thing. So um, my, my, my take on it is just that if they have it, fine. If they don't have it, you know, um, no, like other thing doesn't really bother me that much. I don't really watch the All-Star game anyway. So that's, I, I like watching a quarter bit because I think it's more of an entertainment um, show than anything. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But that concludes the, the show. And uh, I'm glad you guys uh, joined in. This will be on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So check it out. Thank you. If you like that clip from the Shred Takes podcast show, I encourage you to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also, if you want to check out the full episode in its entirety, go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify to view the full episodes.